I mean, we really had a monster, monster weekend in the Pac-12 last week. Uh, kicked off with an insane comeback by Stanford against Colorado on Friday night. We have Arizona all of a sudden looking like a sleeper force in the conference. But the absolute most important story, the center of the college football universe nationally was in Seattle, Washington, as the Huskies beat the Ducks. The Ducks miss a last-second field goal. The Michael Penix Heisman campaign is in full effect. We're going to talk about all that and more on this week's Eligible Receivers. He's Eric. I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Well, you work all week on trying to identify who the eligible receivers are. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick this week's games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. And I'm excited to say that I'm locked in this week. I honestly forgot we were recording last week, and I was playing Rocket League while we were doing it. It was maybe my worst effort. I was thrilled when I was like listening to it back. I was like, oh, this is colorably a podcast. <laughs> well, so, welcome back. <laughs> yeah, so I'm excited to be here, excited to talk about. I mean, we had a ton of like really interesting games. I didn't even get to USC in the intro. I didn't get to UCLA, Oregon State. I mean, we got it's all happening. It's absolutely all happening. So let's start it off. Friday night, we had Stanford and Colorado. Uh, and Colorado, you know, I mean, the the bloom a little bit off, you know. They they got slammed by Oregon, they lost USC close. But now it's like, okay, we got Stanford at home. Let's get back. Let's get our let's get to five and two, get to even in the conference. And they were up twenty-nine to zero and half. And lo and behold, here comes the tree. Stanford storms back. Colorado tripping all over themselves. They can't do anything. The uh and Stanford and the biggest comeback in school history for Stanford. Uh, what a huge blown lead for Colorado. Devastating loss for them. Stanford wins this thing in overtime, 46-43. to 43. And the story of the game from a player standpoint, how about Stanford receiver Alec Ayumanor? Ayumanor? I don't even know how to say his name. 13 catches, 294 yards, three touchdowns, many of them guarded by Travis Hunter. Yeah, it's good. It's a good line. Yeah, that'll play. I mean, this is an interesting. Stanford is woeful. They're woeful, terrible, and they were down twenty nine nothing. It it's hard to figure how you could lose that game if you're Colorado. It's yeah, just just clock. <laughs> if you came out and clocked it, not not necessarily take a knee. But running plays only in the second half and just run it out. Possibly Stanford doesn't score 29 points. I mean, probably. They didn't, they didn't score a single point in the first half. Yeah, because uh, yeah, you say you need five only, possessions for them to do that. And, like, they're not going to get too much more than that in the second half if you are being like, let's kill the game. This is one of those things where – Deion Sanders has had a pretty, uh, you know, uh, blessed run. You know, he got TCU in, you know, they big, big ratings game. They win it. They, you know, they keep it, they keep the momentum going. They squeak by Colorado state. You know, they got, they got beat pretty bad by Oregon 
but you figure like they yeah that you know you could see that coming he you know Dion sort of hedged a little bit there was like I need some more dogs they went into Austin you kind of figure yeah they're not there yet this is like a very very terrible loss and probably the loss that will cost them an opportunity to get to bowl eligibility because the rest of their schedule is not friendly at all and I don't know how you get off the mat after a game like this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely devastating. And even when it got to overtime, you're still thinking, like, no way. No way is this going to happen. And Stanford, just like uh, Colorado State did against Colorado, just like Arizona did against USC, Colorado goes, their, their MO, which I'm, I'm going to tell you my theory is, on their overtime policy, win the toss and elect to go first so that they have to go first for the first two periods of overtime, mm-hmm. is my conspiracy theory is is that was an error that was made the first time. And now they're just like, we meant to do it. <laughs> now they're just buying. They're like, double down on it. Make it seem like you wanted to. Yeah, because to me, it's obviously wrong. But uh, Colorado goes, they score. Stanford scores. And... For the this is the first time of those three games that I mentioned, all three times I'm screaming, "You are an underdog. Go for two. Go for two. Stanford's like, "No, nah, we got this." They go for one, and then they end up getting the uh, getting the turnover. They know exactly what they need in the second overtime. Kick that field goal. Get out of there with the win. I I'm okay with it. If you're Stanford and you just came back down from twenty nine nothing. I understand what you're saying, right? Like, you figure you're playing with house money to be in in overtime anyways. But I I would have to assume at that point, if you're Stanford, you're feeling like we're we're better. better. We're better than these guys at (laughs) this point. Like, like, let's just keep playing this game straight up and we're going to win it. And that's what happened. The other ones, I completely agree with you. Like, when you're on the road and you, you know, it's a, it's a, you're lucky to be in overtime. And, you know, you, it's like, get, get the hell out of there. Like, Go for two. Like, hire Jeff Tedford or some crazy offensive guru in the offseason to draw you up a, a two-point conversion play that, that you can practice, you know, that, that never fails. And, like, that's the play you run and get out of there. In this particular instance, I, I can understand why Stanford didn't do that, and, and it worked. They they won. It was shocking. The, uh, some more on this uh, Alec Ayamaner guy. Mm-hmm. He's from Medicine Hat, Alberta. I like that. Uh, the two uh, 294 yards, as I mentioned in the game, uh, 501 yards in his career now with that. Okay. So this was it. <laughs> this is that. This is his career. <laughs> yeah. And what a career. I mean, he's he's a guy now. It was just shocking. And then did you see the end of this one by chance? Did not. Let me tell you that Stanford coach Troy Taylor, the former high school coach of Jake Browning, gave the worst post-game interview I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> okay. He was so boring. Stanford is dead until he's gone. Except on Friday night where they won 46 to No, 43. I don't care. That was like, that, that man, it's like, sometimes you see these guys and you're like, God, he's great, man. They should try and get him in front of cameras more. Hide this man. The uh, the sideline reporter from ESPN was see if you can find a clip of that because 
the sideline reporter from ESPN was like was like begging him to show emotion after this comeback win. And he's just like, I don't know what happened. Like, he was me. just like a total gomer. He didn't even appear to be pleased by what had occurred. <laughs> Good for him. It was like, honestly, I a lot of my career to this point has been to avoid this moment. And now that it's here, I'm not thrilled about it. I wish I stayed in high school. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. It was, uh, it, I mean, it was, it was jarring how bad he was in the post-game interview. Such is life. Well, yeah. but what a win! What a win, Stanford. Let's, let's see what else we got here. We got a. What Where else want to talk go? about? Let's talk about. I mean, Utah found an offense. That's interesting, right? Yes. How, how about game, it right? against a Cal team? Are they plucky with this Mendoza, the third quarterback? Uh, Utah. I mean, you know, they didn't get going until the second quarter, but when they got going, they stayed going. Thirty-four points is big money for Utah. They win by twenty against Cal. Um, this, uh, this is an old timey Utah score. I'm gonna run. I'm gonna run this through for you. So Cal jumped out early, yeah. And then it's gonna take you through the Utah scoring here. Uh, Jaquindon Jackson rushed for three yards. Sione Vaki rushed for one yard. Then they kicked a field goal. Then Bryson Barnes rushed for four yards. Then Sione Vaki rushed for 72 yards. Then Cole Becker kicked a field goal. That's how they scored. They did not throw a touchdown in this pass. They just ran it in. That's Utah football, folks. Yeah, I mean, and we still we get another week with no Cam Rising, but it really don't matter if you're like Utah. And how about 317 yards on the ground against Cal? Uh, they bottled up Jaden Ott, who they weren't giving the ball to, and we had the return of Ben Finley taking <laughs> snaps in this game after Mendoza was not getting it done. Oh, uh, Cal. Well, Mendoza had a good run for that one game. <laughs> I mean, Utah's in the mix. They got the one conference loss. Uh, their offense is iffy. They don't know if they're ever going to get their quarterback back. They get, um, but, they get Oregon know. at home. They get Oregon at home before, I think, before they have to go to Washington. So, you know, if they win that game, then then they're going to come, you know, there's, they're going to be playing for a lot probably, you know, coming to Nusby Stadium. I think they, I just think for them that they're, they're are, are so deficient on offense that it's not going to matter. 34 points. They put up 34 points this week. I don't believe it to be repeatable. <laughs> we will see. That's like the type of offense that'll like work when you're ahead and be frustrate you when you're behind is my theory. We, unless, well, unless their quarterback situation changes. We're gonna, um, next we're gonna up, find out. Yeah. I was gonna say, we're going to find out because uh, they are going to the Coliseum this week, right? To play. The USC Trojans, who just uh, got back from a little trip to uh, South Bend, Indiana, that didn't go so good. Holy smokes. There's two parts to uh, last Saturday being resulting in Michael Penix having negative odds to win the Heisman. One, Penix wins a big game, which we'll talk about shortly. Two, Caleb Williams, the by, by a mile the worst game of his career. Not very good, man. Three interceptions, and you like... Uh, and you look at the score and you think, well, you know, of course USC gave up 48. Their defense is terrible. This was all their offense. I saw I saw a stat their defense basically gave up 13 points. Yeah. And then all of the rest of it was turnovers, and then there was a Notre Dame at a 100-yard kickoff return um, as well. Notre Dame only had, like, I think it had less than 300 total yards of offense and scored 48 points. 
That yeah, I mean it's shocking. Yeah, they had they had two hundred and fifty one yards of offense. Yeah, and forty eight points. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. USC. This is like you remember. Uh, I mean, I believe it was your term, but I've I've adopted it as my own over the the, the course of the podcast. But you remember your the Sark Burger, right? Like every year there was a Sark Burger when when Sark coached Washington. You just we were good for one game where they just didn't get off the bus. Yeah. Typically it was like Arizona or something. Sometimes I think Cal maybe one year, but where it's just like we're not going to play this game from the like from the word go. UW wasn't in the game. Got blown out by some opponent they shouldn't have gotten blown out by. It's a total Sark burger. This, this is USC, and that was a Sark burger, wasn't it? Absolutely, dude. I mean, five turnovers for USC, two fumbles to go along with the three Caleb Williams interceptions, and uh, the bad week for Caleb Williams' return. Did you see the reports today that I saw that he uh, was asking? He's going to be asking for equity in whatever NFL team drafts him. <laughs> yeah. That he should read the other report I saw today, which is that Roger Goodell like signed an extension on his contract and like his career earnings are now over seven hundred million. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and be like, Caleb, come here a sec. Let me tell you. Let me tell you a few things about what my job is in life, representing these owners, and, yeah. and how this the economics of this model works. You, I'm you not will saying, be shocked to learn that the NFL will exist without you. Yeah, I'm not saying you're not going to be a fabulous, fabulously wealthy human being yeah. for the rest of your life. What I'm saying is you aren't going to own one of these teams yeah. uh, coming out of college. There's a guilt-edged road for you to get a quarter of a billion dollars. Yeah. Like, so why don't you zip it up and take it? Yeah. That's 700. That's amazing. He's probably not going to – I don't think he's going to get equity. I don't think anybody drafting him is going to be I like – I think he's going to drop. The, I mean, the 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 right now the rookie contract, right – it for the first round draft picks is not very good. I mean, like these guys, like he's probably making more this year at USC than he will make his first year in the NFL. Um, just on strictly contract terms. Now maybe with endorsements, he can make that up, but we're talking like three, 4 million a year kind of thing, unless he's like a top, the top pick. Well, maybe- he is going to be, I mean, you would expect him to be the top pick still, even with this game, because he's been so good otherwise. And I expect him to get it back on track and figure it out, or at least do enough to kind of, allow the team that picks first to talk themselves into him. The first overall pick got a contract last year of like $41 million total. For three years? For five is the first one. Yeah. So, so it's like, it's not, $8 million yeah. I mean, it's year. probably comparable to what he's getting this year at USC. $8 million a year. On a per year basis. In equity for a for an NFL franchise that's probably valued over a billion. I mean, is there an NFL team that's less I don't, than I don't. I don't think you could get one for less than $2 billion now. Yeah. Like, Here's your equity, bud. It's, I mean, uh, what did the Broncos sell for? Didn't they sell for like four and a half billion? Yeah, it's it's too much, man. Whatever it is, there's going to be a market correction, but it's not it's not going to be that much. Um, yeah. yeah, he's he, his equity would be uh, laughable. Yeah, that's um, what I would say if you were like uh, valuing these franchises. This the uh, the second they start giving equity to players is when the market correction is imminent. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we will give you one. One thousandth of one percent in lieu of your rookie contract. Now you are responsible first for losses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we can't, we can't lose though. So you're not going to have to worry about that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that wasn't a good game for him. He's probably not getting equity. All things being equal, he still has a Heisman Trophy and lives in LA, so it's probably yeah. Probably, he's got millions of dollars. He's all right. Yeah, he's fine. Uh, he's fine. Let's talk about uh, 
these uh, UCLA Bruins losing uh, fairly handily to the Oregon State Beavers. What's that all about? Very solid from Oregon State, you know. And I, I was thinking about this, and I, I've, the years that I've done well in picks is I feel like I have a handle on what's going on with UCLA. And I came up with a uh, just a theory about how to, like, predict UCLA games. And so I haven't even looked at who they're playing this week, so we'll see. I'm going to put it to the test, right? But, like, you know the phrase, it's like, uh, oh, th- these guys are really turning the corner, right? Yeah. UCLA is perpetually at, almost at the corner. So they're, if you ever right feel like the they're turning the corner, back off, fade UCLA. And if you feel like they're a lost cause, well, they're getting up towards the corner now. So maybe you want to be, you want to back them. So this was a point where it's like, hey, you know, we lost the one game. Um, but you know, we still have one conference loss. It was, it was at Utah can happen to anybody. We bounced back. We got a win over what we thought at the time was a decent Washington state team. We're going to Oregon state. We got this freshman quarterback. He's coming into his own. Uh, no, they're not. UCLA is a team that will, they're, they're like a good, like, uh, like test for any pack. They, they tell every other pack 12 team who they are. Because, like, if you think you're good, you can very easily go to UCLA and lose for no reason. Um, but UCLA also, I don't know when the last time they ever won this conference was. I feel like it's I, been a minute. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't tell you. Uh, it hasn't been in our, like, adult lives, I don't they're think. Ne- they're never going to win anything. It's an, it's an unserious program, fundamentally, at the ch- for in terms of being championship level. Yeah. Uh, it's why do they do it? You know, I mean, they're just kind of like seven to eight and a half wins a year. And so if they're four and one, bet them to lose. 1999. Yeah. They played in the Rose Bowl. They lost to Wisconsin. Doesn't shock me. They probably thought they were about to turn the corner. Maybe they won. I can't tell. Uh, no, they lost. They lost to Wisconsin. Then they lost to Wisconsin in 1994. 1986 is the last time UCLA won the Rose Bowl, beating Iowa. Okay. Um, DJ Uyunglele. Uyunglele? How do we say that? Nice game in this. Uyunglele? Uh, yeah. He acquitted himself very nicely and uh, has had a pretty good year. Like Honestly, he doesn't get talked about because of the other quarterbacks. Um, uh, you know, to, to wit, uh, you know, Williams, Penix, and Knicks are the ones that have kind of taken all the headlines at this point. Cam Ward for a little bit was in that conversation, but is not anymore. Uh, but, but DJ, DJU is, uh, is actually having a really nice season for himself. And, uh, it's a good win. Good win for John Smith. I saw, uh, I think it was Kenzano or someone posted, this brings Jonathan Smith to 32 and 32, uh, in his tenure at Oregon state. So 500, which, you know, anyone who knows uh, shit about shit in the Pac-12 knows that, like, if you're 500 at Oregon State, like, that's pretty good. Like, that's a tough – that is a tough job. That is not a lot of resources there. It's very and, difficult. Yeah, and he group. took it at the absolute bottom. Yeah, and he and he started out – he spotted everybody about eight games because his first season doesn't – should not count yeah. against him. Um, and he's fought all the way back from that, is now 500. And, uh, I mean, you got to figure he's going to keep that momentum. I mean, pending conference – realignment nonsense but he's going to keep that momentum yeah for sure i mean if they get left without a dance partner you know i mean you figure at least that guy's going to get calls 
Oh, that's that's what I'm saying. He's going to for sure get hired by someone else if they don't if they're not able to get into a conference, which would suck. Yeah. So let's and I think that. the reason DJU doesn't get talked about is because this is his good game, which is didn't t- turn the ball over, 260 yards, couple touchdowns. And yeah, but that's a good game. Like that's you know, like that's it's a good game. But the good games for the other quarterbacks in this conference are 400 yards and four or five touchdowns. Oh, I agree with you. I agree. There, he's not Penix. He's not Nix. He's not Williams. He's a good. Pl- he's a good player. He's having a nice resurrection of his career after that. You know, getting kind of run out of Clemson. So it's good for him. Uh, good for him. Good for the Beavs. Nice win for them over these Bruins. Let's talk about the Palouse. What the hell happened? Here, here. This is interesting, okay? Because I'm earlier this season. Uh, you know, I made a little crack because you had made a statement that, like, oh, uh, Jed Fish, Jed Fish, or whatever his name is, is doing some good things at Arizona. He's gonna get them going a little bit. Uh, you said like we know that that's happening, and I was like, do we know that? Well, yes, at this point. <laughs> yeah, because and I've I got to back off that and give credit where it's due. Uh, they did, I mean, their last three games are a one touchdown loss to Washington, uh, an overtime loss to USC that they absolutely could have won. And then a boat racing of a ranked Washington state team. And they, in all three of these games employed a new defense. They were like, excuse me, we're playing these teams where these quarterbacks are thrown for 400 yards a game. We are, we are playing three defensive linemen, no linebackers and eight defensive backs. And it slowed Washington down. It slowed USC down and it stopped Washington state. (laughs) I believe Washington state went backwards. What, what on earth they scored? The Cougs scored on their first possession. And then then tried some, jackass two-point conversion play which looked bad um but so that was why it's six it was they didn't kick two field goals they scored a touchdown on their very first possession of the game like seven eight minutes left to go in the first quarter because it was a it was a decently long first drive um seven eight minutes left to go in the first quarter Cougs done done for the day like they're like you wouldn't freaking believe it they're not gonna score again folks yeah and arizona did in fact keep scoring um how about Second week in a row, Noah Fafita is your Pac-12 freshman of the week. Last week, it was like, hey, what are, you know, what do we have a problem if Jaden Delora comes back? Nah, nah, nah. You can't bench this guy. Here's a question I had when I was looking at his line. Get to the offseason. Kalen DeBoer, I mean, he would never do this because he's such a good man. Kalen DeBoer calls Noah, Noah Fafita's mom says Mike Penix just graduated. Yep. We're going to the Big 10. What do you think? I mean like he's that good. He's that good. Well, not only is he that good, but I'm thinking like cuz Arizona's going to the Big 12, right? And I'm thinking like, well, maybe that would do it, right? Like maybe he'd want to stay, but I mean the Big 10's like way better than the Big 12. Yep. Way more exposure, way bigger games, much brighter spotlight. You got to figure if Lanning or, or DeBoer calls calls that dude in the offseason or, you know, surreptitiously skywrites over the, you know, the facility that yeah. they wouldn't mind to call. Um, 
like Fafita's Fafita's fair game, right? For a pack, like, and maybe it would be a different Big Ten. Maybe it's McCarthy graduates at Michigan or something and goes. But like, we're now in a position in college football where a guy like this pops onto the scene, and he's a freshman. He looks legit. He can sling the rock. He can move a little bit. Like this guy, Arizona is in no way, shape, or form a tier one top 15, 20 school. This guy's primed to be picked off. USC, USC could call this dude up and be like, yeah. hey, you want to be the quarterback of Trojans? Like, what do you think about that? Is that? I mean, that's not wild, right? I mean, I'm, I was thinking about that when I was looking at this score and looking at his line. I'm like, this guy could totally get poached in the offseason. He could absolutely get poached. I'd be surprised if Washington did it because um, he's 5'11". And they got Austin Mack. But, I mean, they the, but Austin Mack is 17 years old. and I mean, yeah, he's 6'4". But it's like, I don't know, man. Like, he can throw it. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think he's, he's probably not the physical build that a USC or, a, you know, a Washington, Oregon. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud now. It's like there's these schools at these at – these, in these conferences now where like it's almost if a quarterback like this blows up, like they better start signing this guy to some like NLI, you know, NIL deals that have some teeth because man, he's going to get blown up in recruiting even though he's already on a team. What a nightmare that has to be for Jaden Delora watching this run here. Jaden Delora sucks, man. I, I, who cares? Yeah. (laughs) That guy's just bad news. Not a great dude. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Um, get out of town. So Arizona scored 44 points. The Cougs scored six. Blooms off the rose for the Cougs. That's it. Uh, they got to go to Austin this week. That's going to that's gonna be interesting to see if they can get off the mat and have a, a respectable showing. Um, yeah, I mean, the best thing you can say about the Cougs is that after this game against Oregon, they've got a three-game run of at Arizona State, home to Stanford, at Cal, and then home against Colorado. So they've got still a bunch of winnable games on their schedule. Yeah, no, I agree. They just, they got to figure it out though, because if they put up another burger, like another Sark burger, like this, they're not going to win. They're they're going to go one and three in those next four. Yep, they, like, just, they're just find the two wins, dude. Get me to bowl eligibility. Yeah, well, might do it. So I think we got through everything except for the game, the absolute game, dude. We were we were the game. We were yeah, the what? center of the world for college football. Was at Husky Stadium last Saturday. That's this was the game. Everybody was talking about it. Led every show, uh, and ble- I, I, I was useless on Sunday because yeah. I was just like, you know, just looking for everybody who had anything to say about this game. It was like, give me all the Washington winning content you got. Yeah, uh, my daughter, my daughter is six year old. You know, playing her first year of uh, organized soccer. Really, we're down at SPU's field. Uh, Saturday morning, real early. They got the first the first round of games um, every Saturday. Just a wash in purple. Everybody down there wearing Husky gear. Everybody talking about it just from the word go. So I didn't get to go to game day or anything, but it's still like every – I mean, it was just like even at SPU six-year-old soccer, everybody's talking to about it. Everyone's going, race home from there. Babysitter comes over. My wife and I go to the tailgate. It – the most fun I've ever had in Husky Stadium. Like, it looked uh, amazing. When the game started on TV, it was just like, oh, this looks – this is like what you dream about. This is the best of what Washington is. It yeah, was, absolutely. It, I've been – you know, like we've been in the stadium before. I mean, I, like 2016 when they played Stanford, right, on that on that Friday. Yeah. 
I remember that was a game where there was so much buzz going into it. And the buzz around the stadium, like before the game and at kickoff was intense and, and as good as it ever is going to be. And then the game was awesome. Like, but Washington killed Stanford on that day. The second half was like fairly pedestrian. You know, there wasn't any, uh, there wasn't any uh, suspense to it. Um, whereas this game, that buzz was there. It was back and forth. It was two heavyweights going the whole, you know, going the whole way. There was some bad coaching decisions on Oregon's side. Washington in the third quarter, up 11, had the chance to really put the game away. They, they, you know, screw that up and let Oregon back in it, then lose the lead. Oregon is a third and two. Uh, first down, you know, puts the game away. They can kneel out the clock. They go backwards on third down. They fail to convert the fourth down. I mean, it's just like the range of emotions was from start to finish incredible. Um, and like you, like, you know, I couldn't sleep, you know, Saturday night. I mean, I was just too jacked. I mean, it was just too much fun. It was amazing. It was amazing to watch. Um, uh, Michael Penix was awesome in the game. Uh, the yeah, I mean, I, I give him a, the the one interception that he had in the game uh, looked pretty clearly that Rome fell down on the route. Yeah, he slipped. So I'm willing to give him a break on that. But Dylan Johnson, we had our first hundred yard rusher of the season. It's yeah. not like he looked good, but he looked good enough, you know. Yeah, yeah, he looked fine and. You know, I, it's it's. I was talking to uh, my buddy that I sit with at these games this morning, actually, and I was trying to say like I can't I can't decide who who was lucky or unlucky. Who was the you know like last year, for example, right? Washington kind of got away with it. At, Absolutely you know, like, got away with it. Like like they got away with it. Oregon Oregon pissed that game away. They should have like you play that that fourth quarter over and ninety nine times out of a hundred, Oregon's gonna win it. And we got the one last year. And I don't care. But to be clear, who cares? The points are the points. The tally is the tally. A win's a win. But I'm I'm not so much of a homer that I can't be like, we we went in there and beat them and took it to them. Like, we played well, and we ended up with the victory with a little bit of uh, happenstance that worked out in our favor. This year, I can't I can't tell. Like, I, like, again, in the third quarter, Washington had the ball up 11. Like, they should have, like, you know, they should have put them away. Didn't. Yeah. Then Oregon comes back and takes the lead. That they should have then put UW away. Didn't. Um, Washington scores when it gets the ball. Looks like the winning. You know, like that's an authoritative winning. Like we're going to do this. That looked great. And then, and then you Oregon gets the ball, kind of marches right back down the field and gets a reasonable field goal kick. It was forty three yards, but at this level, those guys are all right. Um, I got to tell you that was that still is my favorite part of the game. Obviously, because of the the outcome was decided there, and I didn't think it was going to be, but because you can't see it from like you know we sit on the along the north side, um, kind of in the in the top of the first deck, and so I have like a pretty good view of the field. But you know, like that kick is you know like 150 yards away. It, it I can't tell if it goes to the uprights or not, and so you just watch it. And then the whole right side of the student section explodes because they're the only ones that actually have the perspective to see that it went right, um, you know, went wide. And then everybody else is like a half of a second or a second behind them. Yeah. Celebrating. That was the best part was like watching it go, watching it go, watching it go. And instead of what you would expect, which was the silence, 
or at least like the the lull with the organ section making noise when it goes through, the whole place explodes unexpectedly, and we lost our minds for you know seven straight minutes, and it was fantastic. Yeah, it was it was just awesome, man. Um, in tr- in terms of the game, uh, yeah, exactly. I, I think uh, this was a little bit of a flip of last year because as uh, we talked about, Washington had a two score lead and the ball in the second half, uh, and were unable to extend at that point. I view that as kind of similar. It happened earlier in the game than Oregon should have put it away last year, but it was basically it was Washington's game at that point. Washington didn't close it. But we stayed close enough that, uh, you know, when it was winning time, uh, Mike Penix made those two amazing throws. First one to Jalen Polk, second one to Roma Dunze, who, when he wasn't falling down, was as unguardable as ever. Um, Yeah, and it was just so, I mean, I mean, I think it comes down to like until proven otherwise, to my mind, is that like Penix, Bo Nix was very solid and very good. Uh, Penix is better than him and I don't think Dan Lanning's a terrible coach but Kalen DeBoer is just better than him he makes some pretty terrible decisions Lanning I didn't does. really have a problem you know the, the end of the first half like that fourth down where you don't take the points where you're getting the ball coming out of the second half there's just no excuse on earth for that None. you think you're going to score I don't care you can score by just kicking a field goal cutting the lead to one and then you get the ball coming out of the halftime like i that one to me is is the most outrageous egregious the other ones you know whatever you end of the game you're trying to win it i I, i'm less inclined to be yeah uh, i i have no problem with the fourth and three or whatever it was right before washington's last drive yeah yeah that i mean that's just like get three yards and end the game i got no problem with that yeah uh and then the you know I can be uh, the the one before half I like the least, but also it's like what you know, who who cares? I can also be talked into the idea that like field goals ain't doing anything for you today. Like well, but I mean you lost last year on a field goal, and you lost this year on a field goal. Like it turns, I mean like field goals relatively momentous. Like in the last cut, like they actually yeah. do matter in these games. Like. um you know, Washington has won these last two games by a total of six points. So, yeah. like, you got to go ahead and take the points. Like, when, you, when you're when you offered the points, take the points. Well, I um, think it'll change in the future. And that, I mean, we talked about this, uh, I, I want to say, going into this game, is that uh, the the difference here is that, like, Kalen DeBoer has been the head coach for, like, 100 more games than Dan Lanning has. Yeah. he He's seen a version of every scenario. And... Still here in the second season of Dan Lanning being a head coach, you know what, we're like 15-ish games into what, you know, 15 to 20 games into his head coaching career. Uh, At least every other game he's being presented with novel circumstances. And you just got to learn. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. The the road gets tougher for both Washington and Oregon after this game. You know, both of them have the meat of their schedule – you know, started with this last Saturday and now on a go forward basis, we're going to learn, we're going to see like, can Oregon go into Utah and win? You know, they got to play Oregon state. They get them at home. You know, like there's, there's some tough games coming up. Both, both UW and Oregon have USC. Um, I think Oregon gets USC at home and Washington's at the Coliseum. So we'll see. I mean, landing's going to have to coach it up a little bit more uh, than he has had to so far this year. 
And in the one big game they've played this year, in my mind, his, his coaching is what lost in the game. Um, that first that first half decision was so bad. Um, I mean, last year, clearly, his coaching lost in the game. That that decision to go for that fourth down in their own territory at the end of the game was absurd. Outrageous. <laughs> With their backup quarterback. That was absurd. Uh, uh, well, this year... I'm not. I just. I just don't have as much of a problem as other people have with it. I've. I think it's, uh, it's maybe just, not like ideal, but also I don't think it's so egregious that it's like yeah. he lost in the game. I prefer to look at it as Washington had a better players and a better coach. You know, when it when it was money time, uh, and that's why Washington won the game. Um, yeah. So, I I do want to give the Oregon Duck fan base some credit here. Because they have had the most infuriating reaction to this result broadly, I think generally, because you know I'm going looking for that. Yeah. And they were like, uh, better team won. Hope we get a chance to play them again. <laughs> I can't do anything with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's I a, want that's you to be complaining fair. that it's a conspiracy or that, you know, Oregon was clearly the better team and da da da, which you see a little bit of, but for the. The overwhelming majority of Duck fans that I've seen online have been like, what are you going to do? It's a close game. Washington's really good. We played really good. We could have won that game too, which is true. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I hope to, hope to get a rematch. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. It's just correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Just be mad. Let me have this. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, so the big thing Washington gets out of the game is, the tiebreak over Oregon for the Pac-12 championship game, and Washington retains their mulligan game. That's right. Washington can now punt one of these tough games coming up, and they probably will. Like it's tough to get through the whole season. Oh yeah, nobody's ever gone nine and zero in the Pac-12. Yeah, so it's going to be a challenge. So it's it's good to have that in your back pocket. Oregon cannot make any more mistakes. Uh, they need to show up every week. Um, and yeah, and I'll tell you the the real problem with landing is that now we are. I, I would like to see like what we characterize as their big games because this year they've only had one. He's 0-4. He's 0-4. They've only played four. I mean, like, he. I mean, I guess if you count Utah last year, then he would have won that one. But, I mean, he played He played Georgia in his first game. That just went terrible. It's predictably, right? Georgia was a freight yeah. train last year. But then he's played UW twice, and he's played Oregon State once, and he's lost all those games. I mean, he's – yeah, I guess, so I guess Utah, UCLA – he beat UCLA last year. I think that was a game day game in 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 uh, Austin. Yeah, uh, but you know, like that's UCLA. Like you talked about, they're always just around the corner from it. He, he's he hasn't like you know, they haven't really been pressed yet. I mean, like he hasn't had to like he's going to get that because he's got like I said, he's got Utah, USC, and Oregon State still on the calendar uh, coming up. So he's going to have to coach some big games and we'll see if he if he writes the ship yeah we'll see i mean zero and three versus rivalry games we are still enough in the honeymoon period for them where their fans aren't particularly upset by this but uh keep losing to oregon state and washington and see how long you last down there yeah they lose to oregon state this year it'll be a problem it'll be a big time problem all right uh how'd we do on the picks last week uh, uh, indifferent. All right. I went four and two. I gave us all the win for Washington. Even though it was Washington minus three, I don't care. We're yeah. all, we all went to UW. That's a win is a win is a win. Those are few and far between with Oregon. So we're off counted. Um, 
four and two for me. You went three and three. Worm went one and five. Tubby three and three. Adam one and five, primarily because he did not make any picks, um, and he just got the UW one. He was in uh, Italy. No, well, that's his problem. Um, Didn't he make picks on a text? Did he? Yeah, let's go back and check. I think he sent us a text saying, "I, I like something like I want Washington and all underdogs. I'm going to be out of the country." Oh, okay. Then yeah, that that's very possible. I don't remember that. Um, but if he did, then he did. Yeah. Um, and I will amend his record. So he didn't go one and five. Probably he would have taken Stanford. Uh, so that would have worked out for him. He would have taken Cal. That would have not worked out for him. He would have taken Arizona. That would have worked out for him. Uh, he would have taken Notre Dame. Somehow, no, he'd taken USC as an underdog. That, that didn't work out, and he would have taken Oregon State. So he had have a great. He would have, he got two more two more wins. So he'd have gone three and three then. Um, so I'll, I'll amend that for him. Uh, Kellen three and three. Josh went four and two. So going into week eight, uh, you actually Tubby has a one game lead. You are one game behind Tubby, and then everyone else is kind of behind you guys. I gotta catch him. All right, um, and we are going to be in beautiful Bandon. Bandon Dunes, sir. It's going to be so beautiful and lovely, and we're going to have a great weekend, and I can't wait. And we're going to uh, – I just looked at the uh, forecast. Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's looking rough, dude. I just I threw the second pair of rain pants into the uh, staging area. It, uh, I mean, it, it just depends on the forecast you look at. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. I got one that says it's not going to be that bad, so I choose to follow that one. Yeah, the one, I, the one I see says like we're pretty much only screwed on Sunday. Yeah, and then and it's even kind then, of little... it's more like Sunday night, and so like I can live with that. You yeah. Know? Oh yeah. It's like, but anyways, let's watch the game on Sunday or on on Saturday night in Bandon. It'll be fun. I can't wait to golf those courses again. They're they're amazing. Um, What's our? Is are we doing thirty six one of those days? Yeah, on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's good though. So are we just morning around on Saturday or afternoon? Okay, yeah. So we just rip an afternoon, afternoon round, listen to the in. Oregon Washington State game on the radio. Yep. And then watch and then football. Driving, at night. In, driving in Saturday, teeing off Saturday afternoon. We're gonna actually kinda have to hustle to finish in light on Saturday. Uh and then we've got dinner Saturday night, uh husky game Saturday night, thirty six Sunday, uh eighteen Monday with an option for another eighteen in the afternoon if you so choose. Uh, and then uh, round uh, uh, Tuesday morning, and then we're out. Love it. Yeah. Love it. All righty. So uh, we're going to start off at 1230 on ABC, Oregon, back in the prime. Uh, that I mean, that's the prime. That's where you get eyeballs. That's where you want to be. On the West Coast it, at 1230. Uh, great chance for them to bounce back. They are heavy favorites against Washington State, Washington State team. The bloom is off the rose after that absolute stinker they laid at the Palouse last week. 44 to 6. I feel like I didn't say that score enough. <laughs> I mean, that's. Yeah, we so kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt there. I'm going to take Oregon. I think Oregon's going to romp over these. I think the Cougs are reeling right now. I think so, too. They're in a tough way. The only thing that I would say to their favor is that uh, uh, Oregon, I think, uh, is in danger of thinking enough of themselves to not do what they should obviously do, which is just adopt Arizona's game plan defensively uh and so i think washington state's gonna be able to score some points uh they've got confidence problems on the police you would think but i'm gonna take oregon as well all righty that takes us to the coliseum usc hosting utah usc coming off an absolute 
horrible game against Notre Dame, which has a good defense. Uh, USC still finds themselves seven-point favorites. Obviously, Cam Rising not playing this week. I don't think he's going to play this year. I don't um, think so either. It doesn't seem like he's going to. Uh, USC gonna gonna win this game, or is USC is this? Are they off the tracks? I'm gonna take Utah. I, th- right. I was I watched a little. I still watch PTI. You know that uh, corners yep. from Will Bond came out when we were in college, and like yep. I still like to hear those guys talk about sports. Uh, yep. And Kornheiser made the comment about USC at some point this last week. Uh, they've been trying to lose a game for weeks, and I agree yeah, with that. I I think they I think they yeah I mean their defense is terrible, which is going to help Utah you know do what you know get enough points on the board, uh, and then if Caleb Williams is not interested or doesn't like really come back to try and like get himself back in the Heisman race, um, which is going to be tough to do against Utah defense. He's going to force it, and when you force it against Utah, that's just devastating. You can't do that. Utah is the defense. You've got to take what they give you, and Caleb Williams is the king of, like, fitting it into a tight window kind of thing, which to me indicates a bunch of picks. He had three last week. Uh, I think he's going to have some more this week. I'm taking Utah as well. All righty. Going to – where are we going to? We're going to the farm. Stanford hosting UCLA. UCLA, 17-point favorites against Stanford, riding high off their uh, Colorado win. They've got one extra day of rest as well. That's so many points, but I was, I'm was i just going to go off. what UCLA is going to do the opposite of what they most recently did. Which is, they so they just recently lost. To Oregon State. Yeah. They're going to win the game. That's, I think it's... I mean, it's to me. It's just like just guard the one guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna go with UCLA. Here. I'm not, I'm not gonna overthink it. Colorado was up twenty nine nothing. Yeah, Colorado, who who we now recognize to be terrible. They built a twenty nine nothing lead on the Stanford team. Like it's not hard to get up on Stanford. You just can't absolutely and utterly collapse all over yourself. So I don't think UCLA will do that. I think UCLA will get up. They'll cruise seventeen. I mean, you and I are both on a huge. So. We're going to take three uh, massive favorites this week and one underdog. Uh, we are 37. <laughs> what in earth? Uh, so UW is 26 and a half point favorites. Oregon is 20. So that's 46.5. And then add 17. So you're talking 65.5 minus three. Yeah, 62.5. <laughs> three games. We are. We need 62 and a half points worth of victories in these three games. Easy. Easy. So UCLA wins big. I'm taking them. You're taking them. That leaves the final game of the week. The Washington Huskies. Washington Huskies hosting the last team to beat them. Yeah. The Arizona State Sun Devils, the last team to beat them. I was in attendance in Tempe for this last year. It was no good. Um, They are legit the last team that Washington has lost a game to. It's been over a calendar year since Washington lost. And it was to this very squad. They're coming in, coming off of a bye, right? Like, so they're well-rested. They Washington's going to be primed for a letdown, right? You think that'll Oh, happen? yeah. Washington's feeling itself like Penix is the Heisman leader in the clubhouse now. Those guys are 
the first team All American or the you know the halfway through the season for All American team came out today. Penix and Romo Dunze both on it. First team, like this is this has disastrous, uh, ugly win written all over for, all over it for me. Yeah, I mean the the two things that I would bet a million dollars on if somebody gave me access to it is Washington money line and Arizona State plus twenty six and a half. Yeah. They're going to they're going to get inside that number. But we're taking Washington. We're it's the rules of the pod, dude. Yeah. I mean, I uh you know, you'd love to see Washington come out and give a professional performance where they're up by three scores at the half and do some light extending uh in the second half and the back, you know, get back to what the early season was, which is not a lot of Mike Penix in the fourth quarter. You would love to see it. I mean, it could happen, but it's 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 unlikely to happen. Um, I'm with you. I, I would bet a lot of money that Arizona State's going to cover this up. And the, the what you, the hope is is that UW just still does enough to get obviously get the victory, and then and then you know get gets get some daylight between the two of you so that people aren't like, what happened to UW? You know, you, UW's got all this momentum and this good you know this good karma right now, but you're kind of in rare air with the teams that you're around right now, you can't afford uh, a letdown game and then, you know, get yourself dropped, you know, in the polls after you win. Can't have that. So, um, so, you know, uh, let's, let's go ahead and beat these guys handily. If we, if, if, you know, if everyone doesn't mind. Oh, it would be the best, dude. It would be the best. All right. Uh, got anything else? You know, I don't, man. I'm excited to go on this trip. I look forward to seeing you on Friday evening when uh, you get to the, the hotel. Yeah, dude, I'm excited to. I'm I'm like as excited as I am for the golf. I'm excited to just hang out with everybody and watch football on Saturday. And we've got a sports book Friday night before we even drive down there at that casino. We can we can bet some of these games and see how we do. I'm extending the podcast for one second. Yeah, these are not official picks. These are. Who's playing football on Friday? Oh, no, we only have one game. It's Temple. It's Southern Methodist. Rough. Well, we can still make these bets on the – we can still bet these games on Friday and then at the sportsbook, and then we'll, we have to drive right past this uh, casino on our way out. So we can – if we win, we can just stop in and cash out. I mean, when we win. When we win, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing. When we... I can't believe we only have one game that day. What are we worried about here? I don't know. I'm not happy with this at all. All right. <laughs> Never mind. All right. That does it for this week's episode. Eligible receivers for Eric. I'm Warren. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next week.